Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Guys, next came into Sunday. Things were not looking great. Um, kind of fell flat on their faces after Jacob DeGrom's just, you know, legendary historic performance on uh, on Friday. Um, you know, came out Saturday. This team fell flat on their faces. Marcus Stroman really wasn't as sharp as he's been all season. Uh, the defense certainly didn't help him out. Can Michael Conforto's uh, error in the first, letting Josh Harrison single turn into a three-base hit, uh, certainly didn't set the tone. Uh, he had a throw later that was a little wide and a little off, I should say. Uh, you know, made it up with a home run his first of the season, but it wasn't. Uh, it just wasn't enough. You know, the uh, the damage was done. You'd think that after Jacob Degrom's uh, night on Friday. Again, we spoke about it in the last show that, uh, you know, the Mets would come out firing on all cylinders um, and they just came out flat, totally, completely flat. There was defensive miscues, as we've talked about all season so far. They continued leaving guys on base, uh, seven on base on, in, on Saturday, and they did it all against Joe Ross in the Washington Nationals bullpen, who is going into Saturday. They have like a mid four ERA and Joe Ross, he pitched a really nice game, but you know, this isn't a guy who should be shutting this offense down. And sure, we know that the Mets really have had trouble finding consistency as far as on-field performance and just getting on the field in general. But you know, that's not really an excuse. They've been getting squeezed by the umpires. Um, you know, it, it's all just – this is adversity. And this is – these are the things you kind of have to deal with. Um, you know, we're certainly not going to make excuses. You know, the Mets aren't going to make excuses. But – you know, you really kind of got to step things up. As we were saying, um, you kind of have to be firing on all cylinders for this thing to work. Uh, Stroman, you know, he came into the game on Saturday absolutely terrific. Uh, 0.90 ERA. You know, and he got, he got touched up. I think it was five runs. Four of them were earned in four innings. Let up eight hits. They were all singles. Nothing was, you know, tattooed. But, um... You know, just looking at the pitch charts, it looked like he was living a little bit over the middle of the plate, more so than usual. Um, Stroman's really a, a on the black, kind of dipping on the sides type of guy. And, you know, half the time he stays out of the strike zone and guys are just swinging because, you know, he sets them up correctly. But, you know, a lot of his stuff was kind of fine in the middle of the plate and that's never going to work out well. And, you know, you got little ground balls or, or hard hit balls going through the infield and, you know, these things are going to happen. But, uh, you know, the Mets were down, what, 5-1 in the fourth? And, uh, you know, they had their opportunities to come back, and they just didn't. You know, you can't leave guys on base. I think heading into Sunday, the Mets had a 5.59 OPS and a 68 weighted runs created plus with runners in scoring position. That's the worst in the league and the third worst in the league, respectively, with runners in scoring position. That's just not going to work. It's not going to happen. The defense has been such an issue. Um Oh, I had the numbers here right in front of me. Here we go. So since 2019, the Mets defense, negative 61 defensive runs saved, negative uh, 14.2 ultimate zone rating. That's 22nd and second to last. So it's second to last on the DRS, 22nd in UZR. This season, coming into Sunday, there was negative seven defensive runs saved and negative 1.4 UZR. Just, you know... <sighs> You can't win games if you're not – if everyone's not doing their jobs. And multiple people have pointed it out. Heading into Sunday, the Mets had given up 67 runs, and uh, 51 of them were earned. 
So that's 16 unearned runs in a matter of 15 games. That's, uh, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to win divisions. You're not going to get wild cards. You're not going to do anything playing that sort of baseball. And, you know, I, I don't know if that falls on Luis Rojas. Um, you know, he made a really strong point this spring of making defense a priority. And, and then, like we just said, in the past, it's been a, it's been a real issue. It's hamstrung this team, you know, to a, to a substantial effect. And, you know, it, it's one thing to go out and say, all right, everyone's going to play better. But, you know, you, you can't expect miracles. J.D. Davis and Luis Guillaume at third base. We've talked about this a bunch. But you kind of have to have – you have to find a happy medium there between – the offensive upside that Davis brings, which we'll talk about that in a second. He's just on fire. <laughs> Seeing Patrick Corbin on Sunday, certainly, uh, you know, it, it didn't uh, it didn't slow him down at all. He absolutely tattoos him, but we'll get to that. And, and you have Guillaume, who's, you know, a pristine glove at third base, at second base, who's been hitting more than consistently since, like, the middle of 2019. And, you know, Jonathan VR, granted, on Sunday, VR got the start at second. McNeil took a seat. VR has good numbers against Corbin. He's a switch hitter, so, of course, facing the left-hander. Guillaume, I guess in 2020, only hit 125 against left-handers, but he didn't really get that many opportunities. If you go back, you know, 2017 in double in A, 2018 in AAA, 2019 sharing time, he tattooed lefties. He had no issues with them whatsoever. So, you know, if the Mets are going to focus on defense, maybe it's time for Luis Guillaume to really get a shot um, on days that McNeil has to sit. That would be my first pick to be to play second base on days that Marcus Stroman is pitching and is going to be ground balls on days that Peterson or Lucchese is pitching his left handers. You know, you put the better glove at third base. You're going to be getting hit. You're going to be getting, you know, plays there all day. Um, you can't be losing games based on, you know, errors. You have the offense, you have the pitching. You got, you have to make this work. You can't lose game on stupid, silly fundamental plays, but you know, it, whatever, whatever the case may be, the Mets headed into Sunday. And, you know, we've said this a bunch of times already, but they needed a win. They needed to win a game. And, uh, you know, they came out and they did it. Um, we're going to get into everything. We're going to talk about, uh, I guess, the highs, the lows, kind of what they did Sunday, um, heading into the off day on Monday, kind of the momentum that they needed. Going to talk about how guys are kind of picking themselves up. We're going to talk about the pitching staff, but let's take a quick break. Uh, excuse me, a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsors, and uh, we'll be right back. Hang tight. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back, and the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Comcast has built a broadband network with one simple purpose, to keep customers connected every single day. In the last 10 years, we have invested $30 billion and $15 billion since 2017 alone to keep America's largest gig speed broadband network fast, secure, and reliable. Because more Americans rely on Comcast to stay connected, we work around the clock to build a better network every single day. Comcast, better today, even better tomorrow. Learn more at comcast.com network. The Fall Line is a true crime podcast covering the coldest cases in the southeastern United States and occasionally beyond. We focus on the missing persons, the unsolved murders, and the unidentified does that don't get media attention. Empathetic and intensively researched, The Fall Line will take you on deep dives into unsolved cases that you've never heard of and make you wonder why you haven't. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So let's take it to Sunday. Taiwan Walker, who's been terrific this year, um, he's refound his velocity, he's using his secondary pitches just terrifically. His location's been great. And, uh, you know, even with his last start, which wasn't what you would call ideal, he got through. And that was kind of the story on Sunday. Worked around three walks. Again, a really, really tough strike zone. I don't know what's going on with the umpiring this year, but, man, on Twitter, if you follow me, I keep on sharing screenshots from the MLB at that app. And, and, and boy, umpires are calling the same pitch, you know, a ball and a strike in the same at bat, uh, you know, balls that land right next to each other in the strike zone. One's a ball, one's a strike. Just stupid, ridiculous stuff that shouldn't be happening. You're, you're professionals. I umpired for little leaguers and for teenagers, sometimes for adults, but those guys can get very competitive. And that's just not my cup of tea. I'm not, I'm not here to tell a, another grown man to go fuck off for arguing balls and strikes. That's not my thing. But these guys are professionals, man. You can't be missing calls like that. Um, even the, I guess, Lindor tried scoring on Sunday coming home. And, uh, you know, he missed the plate completely. And the umpire was in a perfect position to see it. And he still called him safe. Just, you know... <laughs> Those things he kind of really can't get around. Replay will get that done. But as far as the strikes, though, man, that's your number one priority. That's your job. You're the home plate umpire. Uh, I believe there's a, a Twitter account out there. I wish I remembered the name of it. But it, it's like an umpire report card, an umpire scorecard. I think that's what it's called. And on Saturday's game, um, the umpire had a 74% accuracy rate for balls that were in the strike zone. 74%. That's unacceptable. Bring these fucking robot umps on as soon as possible. This is just getting ridiculous. And, you know, again, we're not going to do, we're not going to play the excuses game. But, you know, one of these days, this is going to really hurt the Mets. We've kind of seen it. Peterson got squeezed till his last start out. Stroman was certainly getting a little uh, ticked off at the, the home plate umpire on Saturday. <laughs> Walker, Rojas, every fan in the stands, every fan at home was screaming on Sunday. But still, the, the Mets, they, they found their way through. Walker was terrific. He went seven strong innings, only three hits, only four strikeouts. But, hey, you know, getting the job done, um, the defense was there. Albert Amora starting in center field. You guys all saw the replay, but just he must have tracked down 60, 70 feet out there. And then just a leaping, turning catch with his back to the wall. Just, um, you know, that's what we want to see. And, and that's kind of what this team needs. And even on the offensive side, the Mets kind of had it going. They showed signs of life. And it's just, you know, it's a positive. And you kind of got to take these positives and run with them.
But, I mean, even on Sunday, Pete Alonzo, another home run. We'll talk about him more in a second. J.D. Davis, we spoke about it a little while ago. He absolutely tattoos Patrick Corbin. If you guys remember in 2019, uh, very early in the year, Davis is off to a slow start. We weren't really familiar with him yet, so, of course, everyone's turning on him. Um, he faced Corbin, hit two home runs, and took off from there. He really never never, never uh, dropped from that level of play for the rest of 2019. And, you know, Sunday, he kind of did the same thing. Uh, first inning home run off Corbin kind of, you know, set the tone. We talked about how important that is. And it really it got things started off right. Um, added another two more hits later in the game. Just really, he's really absolutely exploding. Michael Conforto starting to hit. Uh, he went the other way just absolutely beautifully for a double that was probably, what, two feet from being a home run hit the wall, had Schwarber completely turned around. I like watching him in right field, he, in left field. He just had such a tough time. I don't. I, I try not to applaud other people's, uh, you know, I guess, uh, troubles. But, you know, I get a kick out of watching him out there. Uh, and, of course, you know, it, you could tell throughout the weekend that the Mets coaches knew that Schwarber has no arm. I think the Mets TV booth was talking about it. Everybody was tagging up from third. And that takes us back to Lindor. He, you know. I guess you got to keep that hand down, but I think if he had it down, he might've been in. It doesn't matter because the Mets still won, but um, yeah, all good things. You know, you like to see the signs of life. You like to see the excitement. I think after the game, JD Davis was saying, you know, this, the energy, and I'm not, I'm paraphrasing, but the, the energy is just, it's there. Guys are having fun. Guys are starting to produce, starting to fall into rhythms and, just overall, that's such a huge, huge part of getting out of a hole. And that can go for all of us in any walk of life. Um, baby steps. You know, you could have a really shitty day, a really shitty week. You know, step by step, you're going to find your way out of that. And that's kind of where the Mets are at. They had, I put it on in the Apple on Sunday. I said it was a meandering start. And that's what it was. Because it seems like every step forward they took, it was two steps back. Or, you know, they just tripped over themselves or self-inflicted mistakes. It, up and down the line. And that really can't be the case. That can't be that can't become habit and, and for this team to do the, to reach their potential, they kind of have to break these bad habits and, and the, the, the lethargic fielding, the, the, again, all the dumb mistakes you gotta, and you know, you can't, you know, that runners with scoring position, uh, you know, the numbers are going to come around. They have to, everything's going to even out. These guys have the proven track record. We've talked about that. It's just, you know, there's so much consistency and so much firepower in the lineup, you, know, you have no choice but to kind of assume that, you know, sometime very in the near future that these things are just going to start start to click. And, you know, Sunday it kind of appeared like things were getting that way. But, you know, we've seen that a couple of times this year where they have one really good game and then they completely fall apart the next one. You know, you string a few of those together. And I think this weekend was probably a decent especially coming off that series in Chicago, uh, winning two out of three from the Nationals, a depleted Nationals team. They don't have Soto right now. Uh, Robles is still finding his way. I really like Victor Robles, but, um, you know, you have to take him when you can get him. I think we said that on the show last week. And taking two out of three from a division rival is uh, is always a nice step out of malaise. And that's kind of where they were. They, they were – Sticking around, and it seems like they've found their groove and found a rhythm, and you got to hope they kind of just build from here. 
going into next week, I mean, you have two off days. It's not like they, they haven't had enough off days to begin with, but they got off on Monday. They got a two game series at City Field with Boston. By the way, Wednesday's a 640 start. Um, I love those. I wish all early, I guess early, even late April and September games, all of them should be 640. I think that's so cool. During the summer, cool. Give us a late game. The kids are home from school. That's great. April and September, give me 640 all week. That's awesome. Also, the 4 o'clock Saturday game was actually really, really nice this week, too. But um, So you got Boston coming in for two, and then you have off Thursday, and then the Mets take off for a little baby road trip. Three in Philly, four in St. Louis. St. Louis is playing well. Uh, Harper's getting hot for Philly. He hit two home runs on Sunday. You know, these are going to be the games that kind of, I don't want to say make or break the season, but, you know, if the Mets really want to make a run and kind of separate themselves from what's still looking like it's going to be a very, very tight pack in the NL East, you know, you got to go out and and, and and reel off five wins in a row. You got to reel off seven out of nine or whatever. And um, and kind of just take that momentum and, and go from there. But, you know, you have so many... So many chances still to right the ship. Again, you know, we said it in the last episode. There's still 140-something games left. Um, so much can happen. I said it on Twitter on Sunday morning. I hate roller coasters. Not my thing. Um, I don't ski. I, 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 I do a little bit of skating, maybe. You know, I used to play hockey. But I, I'm mostly a feet-on-the-ground type person. Not much sliding, not much – none of that stuff. Um, you know, I – it's it, the roller coaster of a baseball season. On the other hand, is you know it, it, it tickles my fancy. It's it, it's 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 what this is all about, and that's kind of where the Mets find themselves, just up and down, up and down. And you know that's going to be a constant thing. I know all of us aren't all that familiar with the feeling of a 162 game season because of the 60 game season last year, but you know there's going to be tough times. And I know it's the beginning of the season and starting off on a bad foot is really, really not the place you want to be. But guys, there's plenty of time to get this thing straight. Um, I, I, I don't like seeing the fire that Luis Rojas is, has being lit underneath him by the fans. Um, I think he'll be fine. You know, there does, there does come a point that he's going to have to. And I, I guess I said this on the Apple on Saturday night, <laughs> maybe a little reactionary because, uh, you know, watching that game was a little frustrating, but, you know, Rojas has to walk. It's clear that his players love him. His players love playing for him. It's it's perfectly clear that's the case. At times when they come out flat, um, you kind of have no choice but to lay that on the manager, I guess. You know, that's kind of his job. Get his players motivated and keep them motivated. And, you know, for all the times the Mets don't come out motivated, sure, you have to kind of look down the bench and say, oh, maybe that's on management. And and that's probably a viable or at least a, a plausible scenario. Um, but in the same regard, you know, they can come out like they did on Sunday, just absolutely fired up and everyone's hitting and everyone's getting riled up and everyone's kind of feeling that same energy. And, and, and you know, you, you kind of have to say, oh, well, maybe they're going to be OK. There's a lot to um, to digest uh, as far as Rojas goes. I wouldn't be so quick to to cast him off as, oh, this is a failed experiment. Um, he's he's a, a baseball lifer. He's been in the Mets organization for a long time. He knows this roster better than anybody who could come in and possibly, you know, do the job or anyone else who can come in and do the job. Um, 
I, I would I would see it through. If it was my call, I would see it through. Now, by the end of the season, if this team's still underperforming and there's still the same fixable mistakes happening and uh, the same, like we said, self-inflicted wounds that uh, are, are holding them back, then, yeah, you kind of have to look at management. But, you know, I, I would certainly give this uh, give this group a chance to kind of, you know, find their bearings, get their sea legs and, and see really how far they could take this. Because like we said, there, there's so much talent here. Um, it, it's really tough to ignore the fact that, you know, this team is built to compete. And even you, you saw it on Sunday between the offense showing up and, and Tywan Walker making things work and the bullpen making things stand up. By the way, Miguel Castro, I know I've been saying it on the show for a while. I've been saying it on the Apple He's taking these high leverage spots and absolutely running with them. I said it in spring training. You know, we knew that, well, we knew Patances wasn't going to, well, was likely not going to be in the mix. But we also knew that Familia was going to be tough to be counted on in big spots. And, and by the way that Castro was even throwing last year, you could see he had so much potential. Now that he's getting a feel for what works for him, you know, the confidence, he's just through the roof. Uh, he was, I think it was two on, two out in the eighth on Sunday and man, he just came back and hitting all of his spots hitting. Oh, I forgot who it was in the last at bat three changeups in a row and, and, and just, you know, making it look easy. And that's, you know, if that's the type of setup, man, that he's going to be, and if Trevor may can also, you know, find his way, he got up on Saturday on Sunday, but he didn't come into the game. Um, you know, this is a formidable back end. And then Edwin Diaz, he's just looked outstanding. Um, no strikeouts on Sunday, which is surprising. But still, guys are doing nothing with these balls. See, I think somebody had a fly out to right field, and that was uh, the extent of the hard hit uh, hard hit events in, in his inning of work. Like, it's, um, it's very encouraging. I'll leave it at that. Excuse me. I had my water in my hand for like a solid two minutes. I had to take a sip. But there's, a, like I said, a lot to um, to be excited about. And I think taking two or three in the Nationals and, and, and squaring off with Boston, who's playing very well right now. They really are. But, um, you know, they might not be the, uh, the, the force that they're playing like right now. Excuse me. There's really no reason the Mets can't. Oh, I got the hiccups. I drank that water too fast. And we're back. Um, yeah, kind of, you know, if you can go in and take two from Boston and then head on this road trip uh, with a, really a head full of steam, that's a, um, it's a plus. It's the, it's the, the baby steps we were talking about earlier. That would be the ideal course of action for the Mets to kind of, you know, find their, uh, their sweet spot. And, you know, like I said, rattle off a few in a row, win three series in a row. You know, who knows? Maybe win 10 in a row, match the, uh, the athletics or whatever they got up to. Um, you know, get hot, make a statement, say, guys, yeah, we had a rough start, but we are now, uh, you know, we're moving. We are, we are just, uh, uh, an unstoppable force. And, you know, if everything's clicking, that's real. it's not hyperbole. This team can really be the, uh, the group. I think that we all think that we all, you know, hope they can be, um, but we'll have to see. But in the meantime, guys are coming around. Uh, there's still some, some stragglers as far as, uh, as far as uh, production-wise at the plate. But, um, you know, uh, most of the lineup is really coming into uh, coming into their own. Brandon Immo continues to hit. 
this is through Sunday. He's at 370, 477, 500 on the season. Just ridiculous. He's heading towards an all-star appearance. You write that one down. Pete Alonzo, um, you know, he was crushing it in spring. Had a bit of a slow start. Whenever he's making contact, he's just absolutely creaming the baseball. But over his last seven games, now he's actually starting to hit. Uh, 333, 448, 708 over his last seven games. Three home runs over that span. Again, we said it many times. When Pete Alonso's on, he can put an entire team on his back. And uh, that's what the Mets need right now. And it seems that he's taking that uh, that responsibility and uh, you know putting it on himself to kind of get everyone else going and it's working because you look up and down the lineup and you know michael conforto is now coming in uh coming into his own i think he's over his last seven 280 357 520 uh that's a huge part i know i was saying it earlier he went the other way and that's just such a sign of him coming around and and coming you know falling back into his style of play that that kind of got him where he is and you know i we talked about uh, Sunday, um, uh, Saturday, Conforto made a couple of really, really bad plays in the field. Um, you know, these are things that have to be remedied, but I'm not so sure that I'm kind of torn on Conforto. I was going on offensive uh, upticks, but let me just jump off on Conforto for a second. So, you know, between, I guess this was 2018 and 2019, in the corner outfield spots, Michael Conforto had plus 13 outs above average that, that's combined over the two seasons in left and right field. That's um as close as you can get to elite. That's just terrific, terrific outfield play. Uh, we've seen him do it. He's had a very, very rough go. Uh, this is pretty much going back to last season. He had a couple of really nice plays in the outfield last season. The one in Baltimore uh, is really one that stands out, but you know, his, I think it was negative five outs above average in 2020. That ranked him 116th out of 117 qualified outfielders. That's not going to play. Um, it doesn't matter what your offense is. If, if you're one of the worst defensive outfielders, especially going into a contract year, you kind of got to get that worked out. And uh, not only for yourself, but for your team, you have a responsibility to him. His, his sprint speed hasn't really changed. His... I guess his stats, his stat cast outfield jump metrics, they've kind of fluctuated. And last year he really took a, a dive in that area. Um, he was getting bad jumps and he's always never really taken um, the most direct routes to ball. Again, this is all per stat cast. This is in my opinion, but um, you know, he made it work. You got to hope that he'll be, I guess, back to his normal self this year in the field. I guess even with all the little hiccups and stuff this year, he's still, I believe he's zero outs above average. So neither he's right at average. Um, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't look that way, but uh, you know, statistically that's where he's at. Hopefully, you know, he picks it up. And like we were saying earlier, the defense was uh, just sparkling today. And you got to hope that that was maybe linked to their poor play on Saturday. And they know they have to step it up and, you know, <sighs> all different levels of motivation, whether it's self-motivation, whether it's coming from the, the manager, the coaches, you know, this team's got to pick themselves up after a day like Saturday and on Sunday they did. So, uh, you know, we'll take that and we'll chalk it up as a win. Um, again, uh, kind of an inter intermittent week this week with two and two uh, at home versus Boston off days, Monday and Wednesday, but 
you know, just got to keep that momentum going, um, get through the week, get on the road and, and, and keep this mother rolling. Uh, guys, we're going to be back on Friday. Uh, we'll have uh, a recap of the short Boston series. I'm sure whatever other news is swirling around Queens in the meantime. But uh, yeah, you know where to find us. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, check us out at the Apple. That's the Apple, nym.substack.com. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out. Uh, oh, I started doing Instagram. If you guys want to check me out there, it's Tim underscore Ryder underscore. I hardly ever use it, but hey, if you want to follow along, I'm not going to complain. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Let's go Mets. Yeah!